I want to talk to you this morning about, uh, well, last week we talked about a battle plan. We talked about how you and I need to, um, need to apply biblical principles to be successful spiritually. Whenever we under, undergo attack, whenever we're tempted, whenever we go through spiritual battles, we have to have a plan. You know, the, we've all heard the saying that a fool with a plan trumps a genius without one. You know, you got to have a plan. You have ha, got to have a course of attack. And, and, uh, and I hope that many of you put that simple little battle plan to use this past week because simply it works. But how should we handle things when we fail? How should we handle things when, oh, there's our battle plan from last week. Great. We need to pray without ceasing. We need to fight by putting on the full armor of God. And we need to trust God. And, and that's a great plan. And it absolutely will work. But, but what happens when maybe you don't put it into, plan, into, into action like you should? Or maybe those are tools in your toolbox, but you forget to use them. And, and next thing you know, you fail. Next thing you know, you come up short. You see, even great plans like this can have setbacks or even failures. The great heavyweight boxing champ Mike Tyson used to say, every one of my opponents had a plan until I punched him in the mouth. <laughs> and back in those days, that guy had a, uh, had a real strong right hook or left hook. Uh, he had both of them. He was a tough dude, okay? But how many know that there are times that we've got a plan, it's solid, we're, we're, we have a course of attack, we're planning on everything working out, and, and then something goes wrong. <laughs> something maybe we didn't plan for, something we didn't consider, and all of a sudden we have a setback. And, and every one of us understand that there's been times where life punches you in the face. Where circumstances out of your control are a haymaker coming out of nowhere, Mario. And next thing you know, you're down on your knees. Next thing you know, you're staggered. And, and um, that's the moment our plan gets put to the ultimate test. And we've all had times where we've come up a little short. By a show of hands, who here has ever failed at something? By the way, every hand should go up right now, okay? Because every one of us have come up short in something, whether it was a test in school, okay? Even your pastor, who was a very good student, managed to fail a test. I think it was probably French, okay? It was, it was not my strong suit, okay? I, I'm, um, uh, I, you know, I, I failed a test before. We've all failed something. We failed to remember something. How many husbands in here failed to remember something your wife told them? Yeah, there you go, J.D. There you go, Nick. Just get you a good stretch, okay? Even Bernie. Bernie looked like a touchdown scored, okay? Man, we got some, we got some football officials in here. Touchdown, okay? We've all been there. We've all come up short. We all had every intention to remember to do the yard. We had every intention to remember to, 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 to do that for our mother-in-law. We had every intention to remember that anniversary, Oh, you're hitting kind of close to home now, huh? Um, but, but, we, but we fail. We come up short. See, guys, we're all in the same boat. In fact, Romans 3 and 23 tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us fail. Every one of us come up short. Let's pray today and learn how to handle setbacks and failures because we're sure to have a few of them along the journey. Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you right now that your word can be a guide to us, Lord, that your grace is absolutely amazing. And I pray today, Lord God, as I talk to, uh, 
a bunch of folks who are going to come up short from time to time again, that we would begin to look at failure in a new light, that we would begin to lean heavily on your grace, and that we would recognize, Lord God, it's not how many times we fall, it's how many times we get back up that really matters. And I pray today that you would touch and that you would anoint and that you would absolutely have your way. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody would say, amen and amen. As a reminder that all of us here have come up a little short, that all of us here are failures, let me recount a recent failure of mine this past week. On Tuesday, July 3rd, I was scheduled to pray at the Patterson City Council meeting, okay? Every one of our city council meetings, they ask a preacher to come and pray, and that's just kind of something that we do. I'd signed up at the minister's meeting way back in January. Now, some of you are already seeing how this could become a problem, but I put it in my phone. I put it in my phone, and Pastor Tom, I I even called last week to confirm that I would be there because it was a holiday week, and and I was reminded that I probably need to just make sure all the details are in place. So I called last week, and I said, yep, I'll be there. I even told them how to spell my name. Well, guess who didn't show up? Yep, this guy. This guy right here. I totally forgot until Wednesday evening when I was looking at my calendar. Now, there's a lot of things that I didn't forget. I had a a wedding scheduled on a Saturday. I didn't forget that, okay? All things considered, if I had to forget one of those events, they probably needed me more at the wedding than they did at the city council meeting, okay? Um, I didn't forget to go pick the kids up for for a camp, okay? I didn't forget to kind of keep the house clean while Miss Chantel was out of town, okay? I, I... I I didn't forget a whole bunch of things, but I forgot one kind of important thing. Now, I believe that the meeting still went on, okay? But uh, but it went on without me. And I felt pretty bad about that. I really did. I'm I'm sure the meeting went on fine, but, but I try not to make it a habit of forgetting my commitments. And when I say that I totally forgot, I'm telling you, I totally and completely forgot. So does this type of lapse in memory make me a failure? No, it makes me human. So Thursday morning, what did I do? I called the city of Patterson and I apologized. I called him up and and I actually caught a guy's voicemail and I guess that made it a little bit easier, okay? But I said, man, look, I totally forgot. I am so very, very sorry. And and, um, again, just uh, if you have any questions, feel free to call me. And and, uh, he didn't call me back. But again, I I apologized. And and moving forward, I'm not going to sign up for those things anymore, okay? The truth of the matter is when the list was going around at the minister's meeting, Mario, they just had one slot left. Nobody wanted to do it the week of July 3rd. And, and I decided to just, because I felt like I ought to, that I signed up for it. And, and I'm not going to do that anymore. So I can say all this. Um, I can say that, that I understand failure because I failed at a few things. Is that the only thing I failed at? Psh, not even close. Okay. But we've all failed and we all need to understand that we need the Lord's help to look at failure in a different light. So for the next few minutes, I want us to take a closer look at failure so that you and I would begin to look at it differently and understand it in a more positive way. 
You know, I have this book that, uh, that is written by Dr. John Maxwell, and it's an amazing book. In fact, he wrote an entire book on failure. It's called Failing Forward, but this is one of his earlier books called The Success Journey. And it has a little bitty chapter or really half of a chapter on failure. And I'm going to use that as a a real basis for a lot of my teaching today, okay? Now, you know the difference between teaching something and preaching something, right? When you teach it, you tell it. When you preach it, you yell it. Okay, so I'm going to teach you today. Okay, I'm going to teach you today. Uh, There are some days I'm going to preach to you today. I'm going to teach. But today I want us to talk about failure and see if we can learn to look at it a little differently. So I'm going to read a couple portions out of this book. The introduction when he talks about failure is how many have ever heard of Max Licato? Pretty amazing Christian author. huh? Okay, I mean, think about some of the books Max has written. John Maxwell sits down with his friend Max Licato and they have this conversation says, Max uh, visited me because he wanted to sharpen his leadership skills, and he asked me to give him a hand. Dr. Maxwell is an amazing leadership guru. So he came for the weekend, and we had a wonderful time. Max is an incredible writer, one of the finest Christian writers today. And as we ate dinner one night, I asked him about getting his first book published. Well, he said, in the beginning, nobody wanted to publish my stuff. Let that sink in. Sister Debbie, you've read some pretty amazing Max Licato books, huh? I've got a dozen of them on my shelf today. They are amazing. I mean, that is one of the finest Christian writers today. And nobody wanted to publish the guy's stuff. Dr. Maxwell said, I almost choked on my food. What? What do you mean nobody wanted to publish your stuff? Max's prose reads like poetry. It's beautiful. Nobody wanted to publish it, he answered it. I sent my first manuscript out to at least 15 publishers before finally someone said yes. John says, I bet some of those publishers are kicking themselves now. Max has published a lot of books since then, and I'm guessing he sold a couple million copies. When you were trying to get that first one accepted, did you ever get discouraged and think about giving up? No, he said. Every time I got the manuscript back, I thought, well, I'll just try another publisher. That's when it hit me. Max had something that just about all successful people have, the ability to fail. You see, guys, in life, we're going to fail. In life, we're going to come up short. So we need to learn how to look at failure in a different light. We need to learn it, look at failure as a learning experience, even spiritually speaking, okay? I'd like to tell you that the very first time I gave my heart to Jesus, Dawn, I, I, I never made another mistake, but that would not be the case, okay? I mean, we've come up short. We make mistakes. We stumble. We trip up. So we need to realize that we've got to learn something in the midst of those failures. John says, wait a minute. You may be saying, I thought you were talking about the success journey. Again, this book is about the success journey. Why are you talking about failure? Doesn't success mean avoiding failure? The answer is no. All of us fail. As we travel, we all hit potholes, take wrong turns, forget to check the radiator. The only person who avoids failure altogether is the person who never leaves their driveway. So the real issue is not whether you're going to fail. It's whether you're going to fail successfully or allow failure to send you in a permanent detour. Nelson Boswell observed, the the difference between greatness and mediocrity is often how an individual views his mistakes. 
You want to continue on the success journey, you need to learn how to fail forward. For you and I as Christians, we're going to fail. Seth, we're going to be times we're going to come up short. There's going to be times that we're just not going to get it. We're going to make mistakes. Even you, Brother Bernie, as long as Sis Anna Lee has trained you, you still make mistakes every now and again, okay? We all make mistakes. Now, if Brother Bernie, with all that Sis Anna Lee training, still makes a mistake, whew, we in trouble, ain't we? Okay? J.D., we in trouble. Janet, you think you got him trained. You're not even close, okay? Miss Chantel, you don't have a chance, okay? I mean, hey, we're all going to fail. We're all going to come up short. So let's learn from that. The first thing we need to learn is to look at failure in a different light. Look Look at failure as a springboard to success. You see, unsuccessful people are often so afraid of failure and rejection, they spend their whole lives avoiding risks are decisions that to lead to failure. You know what? I'm so proud of your daughter because she's risking something. Man, it's really easy as a Christian to just kind of stay in our little hut and just kind of, kind of, kind of just try to get by and just look out for ourselves. But she is going to a foreign country, guys. She's going to a foreign country to tell folks about Jesus, to be part of a mission trip. That's a risk. That's a, that's a big thing. That's a big step. That's something to be proud of in a good sense. Amen? Now, now it's also something to pray about. And that's why we prayed over that little girl, okay? And that's why those of you that lifted your hand, I want you to keep that commitment. You need to pray for Cassidy on a regular basis. But I, I appreciate her risking something, taking a step of faith, because God honors that kind of stuff. Amen? You see, guys, some of us think for the Christian we should never take risks. That is so not the case. Faith says you take a step. Faith says you take a risk. Do you realize that faith is a risk? Now, you're trusting that God is going to work things out, but that, that, that's still taking a step on your part. We need to realize that, leader, that, that, that failure can be a springboard. Failure is not fatal and it's not final. When you have the right out attitude, let me say that again. Failure is not fatal, it's not final. In fact, it can be the springboard to success. Leadership guru Warren Bennis interviewed 70 of the nation's top performers in various fields and found that none of them viewed their mistakes as failures. When talked about them, they deferred to, other, to, to their mistakes as learning experiences, tuition paid, detours, and opportunities for growth. Successful people don't let failure go to their heads or their hearts. I've heard it said this for the Christian. Don't let success go to your head. Don't let failure get to your heart. Let me say that again. Don't let success go to your head. Don't you start thinking you got it all together because what? Pride comes before the fall. But also don't let failures get to your heart. Sometimes we go through difficult times and we let it touch our heart. Don't let that happen. Let the Lord protect your heart. Let the Lord heal your heart. Some of you, you've, you've been betrayed before. You've been hurt before. You've got some wounds in your heart. We serve a Jesus who can heal those wounds. We serve a Jesus who can make all things right. We serve a Jesus who can fix all those things. Amen? But successful people don't let failure go to their heads or their hearts. Instead of dwelling on the negative consequences of failure, they focus on the rewards of success, learning from their mistakes, thinking about how they can improve themselves and their situations. It all depends on your attitude towards failure. You see, the Bible has something to say about attitude. It says, let the same attitude that was found in Christ Jesus be found in you. Amen? You know what? Jesus could have thought with, with the situation with Judas Iscariot that he was a failure. 
Was Jesus a failure? Absolutely not. Jesus was perfect in every way, okay? He had 11 others that transformed this world as we know it. We need, to, we need to look at failure in a new way. So how do we fail forward? How do we fail forward? A couple of different ways. Perhaps this isn't the first time you've heard this perspective of failure. Maybe you're willing to acknowledge the possibilities that this approach can offer, but you've had a tough time living it out. Most of us have been conditioned to look only at the end result of a person's long success journey. I've got a little video or a little clip that I found on, the, on, the, on Facebook, if you'll put that up there. Guys, these are two coaches that, that, that you may recognize, okay? One is named Bill Belichick and the other is named Nick Saban, okay? Can't believe I just used that name in church, okay? <laughs> but, but here's the deal, guys. Believe it or not, there was a time back in the 1990s where Bill Belichick and Nick Saban were on the same football staff. This was in the 1990s, and they were the coach and defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns, okay? Now, if any of you know anything about football, Cleveland Browns is not good, okay, Chad? This is not going to go well. And it did not go well for these two cats. They were both fired. They were both unceremoniously booted out of their job, okay? Now, today, we look at these two guys in a little different light than people looked on them back in the 80s and 90s, right? Arguably, right now, Bill Belichick, most successful NFL football coach ever, okay? New England Patriots, whether you like them or you hate them, that dude wins, okay? And that fella to the left, well, he's won a few games in that place called Tuscaloosa, okay? Watch it, J.D., okay? But here's the deal. At that moment, they were failures. At that moment, they lost their job. At that moment, they got kicked to the curve. But is that how their story is remembered? No. See, we don't remember Nick Saban. We don't remember Bill Belichick for their failures. We remember them for their successes. Okay? And in the NFL, there's nobody who's been more successful than Belichick. And in the college game, really not many more successful than Nick Saban. Here's the key. They didn't quit. They learn from their mistakes, okay? They learn where they made some missteps. They, they, they decided that I'm going to look at failure in a different way. I'm going to recognize that maybe there's some things out of my control, okay? Mr. Belichick realized that you got to have a pretty good quarterback to win. He found a pretty good quarterback, okay? Who was the Browns quarterback? No clue, Chad. No clue whatsoever, okay? But here's the deal. These two guys were once considered failures when they were kicked out of Cleveland. We don't remember them as such anymore, do we? Because they looked at failure as a learning opportunity. Spiritually speaking, you and I need to do the same thing. We need to learn how to fail forward. How many in here like Popeye's fried chicken? Ooh, some of you are like, oh, that's what we're going to do for lunch. Okay, Keon, stop stretching. It's all good, okay? Popeye's fried chicken. Did you know that a successful businessman like Al Copeland, the founder of Popeye's, you would know that he tried and failed several restaurant ventures. He tried and failed many, many times. You would know that he tried and failed several times. At one time, he couldn't even find financing for his fried chicken idea. But he managed to overcome his failures, and now Popeye's are located all across the country. And we just love some Popeye's fried chicken, don't we? 
Okay? Guys, look, we don't remember people by their failures. We remember them by their successes. Let me challenge you. Let me help you change your thinking about failure and approach it in an entirely different way. With each failure, you can move one step closer to success. As hotel executive Conrad Hilton put it, successful people keep moving. They make mistakes, but they don't quit. Here are a few guidelines to help you change your view on failure. If you're taking notes this morning, these are good ideas. Number one, appreciate the value of failure. There's value to failure. There's value to making mistakes. Never forget that you cannot take the success journey without experiencing failure from time to time. You cannot walk out your Christian faith without experiencing failure from time to time. There are going to be times when you don't do what you should do, when you do something else, when you say the wrong thing. How many Cajuns in here ever said the wrong thing? Okay, we've all been there, okay? Luckily, unlike me, you don't say it with a microphone in your face, okay? I say the wrong thing all the time. But we need to train ourselves to think of failure as mileage markers. Each time you fail, know that you've traveled another mile down the road towards your potential. Sochichino Honda, founder of Honda Motors, offered this insight. Many people dream of success. To me, success can be achieved only through repeated failure and introspection. In fact, success only represents 1% of your work that results from 90% of what is called failure. Very few unacquainted with failure will ever know the pure joy of success. I would go even further and say that no person unacquainted with failure will know success. Failure has another value. It strengthens you. Henry Ward Beaker, 19th century author, clergyman, and outspoken opponent to slavery said, it is defeat that turns bone to flint and gristle to muscle and makes people invincible and form those heroic natures that are now in ascendancy in the world. Do not then be afraid of defeat. You are never so near to victory as when defeated in a good cause. Each time you experience a fumble, failure, or defeat, remind yourself that you're one step closer to your potential to your dream you're learning to fail forward towards success and what's success for the christian we're going to use this word a lot in this teaching what is success success for the christian is a closer walk with jesus success for a christian is a better relationship with your wife and your family Uh, a success for the christian is is seeing your prayers get answered on a regular basis having a discipled relationship with Jesus, becoming a better follower of Jesus. That's success. So when you hear me say success, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about getting a little closer to Jesus. We're talking about improving our our vertical relationship because how many have figured out when your vertical is right, your horizontal becomes right as well. Sometimes we're always trying to fix our, uh, Sister Eloise, our horizontal relationships. We're wondering why things are always awry on that level. It's because maybe they've got out of of kilter vertically. When things are right between you and the Lord, things are going to be right with you and your wife. When things are right with you and the Lord, things are going to be right with you and your family. Amen? That's good stuff, okay? So when we talk about success, that's what we're talking about today. And guys, if we're going to be successful, if we're going to grow in our walk with the Lord, we've got to learn to understand failure and overcome it. Secondly, don't take failure personally. Don't take it personally. Most people who never learn to fail forward are stopped because they take 
failure personally. They start saying to themselves, why can't you do everything right? You shouldn't have tried. You knew you couldn't have done it. See that? You're a failure. But there's a huge difference between saying I failed and I'm a failure. In my, uh, my example for the city council meeting, I failed to keep my commitment. I failed. But does that make me a failure? Heavens no. Okay? There's a lot of different... I'm sure they probably called on somebody to pray. They had prayer before the meeting. It got done. But I'm not a failure. I just simply failed to remember a commitment. So guys, we need to look at failure in a different way. Here's the thing we also need to remember. Don't allow the accuser of the brethren to lie to you. Now he's going to lie. But don't pay no attention to that nonsense, okay? Because here's the deal. When you fail, when you trip up, when we stumble, the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, the devil, begins to tell you you're a failure. Begins to tell you, John, why are you even trying? Begins to tell you, you can't succeed. You can't get it right. Why are you even trying? We got to remember there is no truth in him. All he can do is lie. So when you hear something that doesn't benefit your walk with the Lord, recognize that as a, as a, as a, a discouraging word from the evil one and reject it. Amen? That's why the Bible tells us to take every thought captive. Look at it. I remember Gary Sapp sat in this pulpit uh, in January and said it real simply. Good thoughts come from God. Act upon them. Bad thoughts come from the devil. Dismiss them. Pretty simple, isn't it? Good stuff. Good comes from God, act upon it. Bad comes from the evil one, reject it. So how do you view failure? We need to learn to view it in a better way. Dr. Maxwell says when he thinks back on his life, he realizes that he took failure a lot more personally when he's younger, less experienced, and less successful. His mistakes looked a lot bigger back then. But as time's gone by, he's learned to accept his limitations as well as his strengths. Understand that everything I do isn't going to be successful. Tell myself, I sure messed that one up. I'll do better next time. If you're in the habit of assassinating your own character or questioning your talent every time something goes wrong, stop it. Making mistakes is like breathing. It's something you'll keep doing as long as you're alive. So learn to live with it and move on. Unless, of course, that failure is sin. When that failure is sin, you need to be reminded of one of my favorite scriptures, 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to do what? Forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guys, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to come up short. When those areas are sin issues, issues that this Bible declares right and wrong, deal with them. Don't just live with that. Don't just hang on to that regret. Deal with it. Confess it. Receive forgiveness from the Lord. Own it. Get it right with God and whoever else it directly affects. Thirdly, we need to let failure redirect us. We need to let failure redirect us. You see, sometimes failure signals it's time for a change in direction. If you keep hitting the wall, it might be time to back up and look for the door. If you keep taking the same detour, maybe it's not a detour, but your main road. However, when you experience failure after failure, but your dream burns within you just as strongly as ever before, keep going. Recognize that some of the greatest accomplishments of life literally were birthed out of failure. For example, look at the life of John James Audubon. He's considered a pioneer in wildlife study and preservation. We have a zoo just right down the road in New Orleans named after him. But in the early 1800s, he was merely an unsuccessful shopkeeper in Louisville, Kentucky. 
He attempted to support himself and his wife Lucy in that op- op- occupation, but after struggling for 11 years, he went bankrupt. That failure prompted him to pursue his life's work, observing, drawing, and painting wildlife, the thing that we remember him for today. If you're repeatedly experiencing failure, but you want to fail forward, allow your mistakes to redirect you. Maybe you're working someplace you really don't fit. That doesn't mean you're bad or wrong. It just means that you need to make an adjustment. Those two guys were working in a place that just didn't fit. Okay. I don't know if Jesus could have won games in Cleveland. Okay. They were just in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, but they decided that I'm not failures. I'm going to leave these bozos and I'm going to do something new. And, 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 and they were blessed because of it. It just means that you need to make an adjustment. If one door repeatedly closes on you, don't stand there forever wondering why you can't get it open. Look around for another door. One may be standing open right now that you've constantly and continually overlooked. Here's the thing, guys. We serve a God who says he has plans and purposes for our lives. There are times we come to closed doors in our lives. Anybody ever been there? But when God closes one door, by faith, we believe he opens another. We believe that the the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. If we truly believe that God orders our steps, when one door closes, surely another door should open, okay? The problem is sometimes when God closes a door, we try to kick that door down, okay? We keep fooling with the door, and we're like, God, I want in this door. And he's like, no, you don't. Sometimes in his his amazing wisdom and and, and willingness to let us kind of have our own way, he lets us kind of budge open that door sometimes. And I've been there, I've done that, and you don't want to do that, okay? So guys, when God closes a door, trust that he's protecting you, that he's looking out for you. Look for that new open door, amen? Sometimes we need to let failures redirect us, okay? You know, I think back of my time as a school teacher and a full-time coach at Franklin High. I wasn't the most successful cat in the world, okay? And that was a good thing because if we'd been so successful, I'd thought, Robin, this is what I need to be doing. And I would have missed this because this is what I need to be doing. Amen? So sometimes God closes doors for our own protection. Let's allow that to redirect us. Another thing we need to do when it comes to failure is keep your sense of humor. Okay, the Bible says that laughter is like a good medicine. Amen. Sometimes when you forget something, sometimes when you fail, just just laugh at yourself. Just recognize that 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 this doesn't work too well. A couple weeks ago, I had a chance to, to, to see my good friend, Packy Thompson, and it was actually at my dad's wake. And, and on a day when, when a son's burying his dad, you, you kind of could use a little laughter. So I said, Packy, start telling stories. And I, I said, tell him the story about how when you tried to fly. Okay, now you could see Charles and Samuel trying this one, okay? But Packy Thompson's a big old guy, and, and he, he was watching birds, and he was thinking, if they can fly, I can fly, okay? So Nick, he got up on the house, and his brother's watching all this, and, and he runs with all the gusto he could, David, and he jumps off, and, and he understood something about gravity, because bam, he hit the ground, okay? So he failed, okay? He failed, didn't go so well. Then in a way only a brother could do. Fabian, he goes, hey, Pac, you know why you didn't fly? Why? Because you didn't flap your wings. <sighs> That's it. So do you know that man climbed right back up on that thing and ran off, and this time Valley just flapped his arms as vigorously as possible, and guess what happened? 
he hit the ground just as hard as before, okay? So here's the deal. Packy Thompson realizes he can't fly, okay? But he also was able to laugh at himself, okay? We need to learn to laugh at ourselves. Man, sometimes we're going to fail miserably. Sometimes we're going to try something that we should not even try, and it ain't going to go so well. Learn to laugh at yourself. Learn to just have a smile on your face. Man, look. First thing you do in the morning when you look in the mirror, you should be reminded that God has a sense of humor. Amen? Because he created you and he created me. As you make mistakes on the success journey, keep everything positive and humorous. Try to look at life the way professional hockey coach Larry Neal did during a tough time. He joked, last season we couldn't win at home and we were losing on the road. My failure as a coach is I couldn't think of anywhere else for us to play. Okay, so we need to find some humor in that. Now, on a little more serious note, fifthly, when we fail, ask why, not who. who. Ask why, not who. You see, when things go wrong, the natural tendency is to look for someone to blame. You can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden on this one. When God asked Adam what he'd done, he said it was Eve's fault. When God went talk to Eve, she blamed it on what? The snake. The same thing happens today. When you ask your daughter why she hit her brother, she says it's his fault. When the quarterback throws an interception, he says the receiver ran the wrong route. When you ask an employee why he didn't meet a deadline, he points his finger at someone else and cites circumstances beyond his control. And we won't even talk about all the lawsuits where people blame others for their problems. The next time you experience a failure, and guess what? We all will. Think about why you failed instead of who was at fault. Try to look at things objectively so you can do better next time. Basically, we need to learn to learn from our mistakes. John Maxwell's friend Bob Beale suggests a list of questions to ask yourself whenever you fail. These are the questions. What lessons have I learned? What lessons have I learned? Am I grateful for this experience? How can I turn this failure into success? Practically speaking, where do I go from here? I have a saying that I use with my teenagers, and some of you have heard it before. It's not what you've done, it's what you do next. See, we're all going to fail. We're all going to trip up. We're all going to make a mistake. We're all going to make a bad investment. We're all going to make a bad decision. It's not what you did, it's what you do next. It's what's the next thing you do. Do you own it? Do you learn from it? I think if you do those things, you're going to grow in your walk with God. Who else has failed in this way before? How can that person help me? How can my experience help others someday to keep you from failing? You see, guys, some of you, out of your greatest tests will come your greatest testimony. Some of you have been through things that God has allowed for you to help others through the same things. Some of you in here understand the the heartache of a failed marriage. Well, guess what, guys? The next time someone is up here at the front and they're praying for their marriage, you know how to pray. You know how to comfort. You know how to empathize with them. Guys, sometimes you're going through things, and, 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 and it's so you can be a better minister to others. Did I fail because of another person, or was it all me? Did I actually fail, or did I just come up short of an unrealistically high goal? See, some of you, you set yourself up by failure by setting your goals so very, very high, okay? You know what, guys? God loves you. Let God set those goals. Let God set those targets. And where did I succeed as well as fail? People who blame others for their failures never overcome them. Sixthly, 
We need to make failure a learning experience. To be successful, you need to develop the ability to learn from your mistakes. Failure isn't failure unless you don't learn from it. You see, guys, if you keep getting tripped up with the same issues, you're not learning from it, okay? Pastor Tommy loves to say this, and I love to quote him. The devil's playbook is really, really thin. It's the same O, same O. It's the same O, M, O. Okay, learn from him. Learn from, learn from your mistakes. Let me share with you one of the most inspirational stories I've ever read that illustrates this idea. It comes from the book Dale Carnegie, The Man Who Influenced Millions. The name Carnegie is synonymous with success. His Dale Carnegie Institute for Effective Speaking and Human Relations trains millions of people around the world. His book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, has sold more than 15 million copies and continues to sell decades after it was first published. But Carnegie's early life was plagued by failure. He grew up in poverty. When he determined to attend Teachers College in Warrensburg, Missouri, he was able to do so only by living at home and riding to school each day on horseback. Interested in public speaking for his teen years, Carnegie decided that he wanted to earn recognition at the college by entering speech contests. He never won a single one, but he learned each time he failed. Despite his hard work at the college, he failed to graduate when he couldn't pass Latin. I feel your pain with foreign language there, Dale. So he moved from Maryville, Missouri to New York City, where he tried in acting and sales, but again, he came up short. Then he got what turned out to be a golden opportunity. He applied for a job at the YMCA teaching classes on public speaking. Because he lacked experience, the YMCA didn't offer him the usual salary of $2 per session. Instead, he was accepted on a trial basis. If he was effective and retained students, he would earn money. If not, he was out of a job. Though he failed to win a speech contest or to become successful as an actor, he succeeded at the YMCA. Those early detours had taught him a lot. Soon he was developing his own courses and writing pamphlets he would later publish as books. As Kemp and Chaplin wrote, Carnegie rose to fame as one of the most effective trainers of speakers and one of the best-selling authors of all time. Two keys enabled him to turn failure into success, his unwillingness to be stopped by failure and his willingness to learn from failure. Romans chapter number 8 tells us uh, about the ways of God and it reminds us of how we should act in the face of failure. Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things, say all things, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Now, does that scripture say that all things are good? Nope. But it says that all things can work together for the good. God is able to work through your mistakes. God is able to take your mistakes and teach you some lessons and allow you to be a better better minister in the future. Romans 8 and 28 applies to setbacks just as much as successes. We're almost done. Don't let failure keep keep you down. See, the fact that you've been knocked down is interesting, but the length of time you remain down is very important. As you travel on the success journey, as you walk with God, you will have problems. You will come up short. Are you going to give up and stay down, wallowing in defeat, or are you going to get back up on your feet as quickly as you can? Or as a college friend of mine used to say, I'm never down, I'm either getting up or getting back up. I remember one time I went skiing, 
And uh, we went with our family. This was long, long ago. And Chantel has an uncle who, who thought he was really good at skiing, okay? And, and, and he's really good at most things, but he had just started in skiing. And I was skiing down, and I was waiting on somebody, and he said he was going to go before me. And, and Fabian, he's going down, and I'm kind of keeping my eye on him, and he wipes out. I mean, look, this was the wipeout to end all wipeouts. It was like, bam, bam, bam. I was like, he might be dead, okay? But he popped right back up, got his stuff back on, and was waiting at the lift. So I wait for the group, and I ski down, and I go, um, hey, hey, how'd you get down there? I'm, I'm not going to say Calvin's name. Well, I guess I just did, okay? Hey, how'd you do? By the way, this is big Calvin, not little Calvin. Hey, Calvin, how'd you do? I did fine. Said, you didn't fall? Now, he's got a glob of snow on the side of his head that looked like he just got pelted with a snowball. He goes, no, no, we good. Now, why do I tell you that story? Because, look, that dude got right back up, okay? He didn't want anybody to know that he fell. But there's some resiliency to that. You and I, guys, when we fall, we need to get back up. In fact, the Bible says, here's the test for a righteous man. How many in here want to be righteous? Okay, how many want to be righteous? That's a good thing to be. We want to be righteous. Here's a test for the righteous for for righteousness. It says, though the righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. See, guys, it's not a question of whether we're going to fall. It's not a question of whether we're going to stumble. We're going to stumble. We're going to come up short. The test is, will you get back up? When you fall, learn from your mistakes and get back up. In fact, that, that scripture I just shared was Proverbs 24, 16. Proverbs 24, 16. Some of you need to commit that to memory. For a just man falls seven times and he rises up again. In addition, we need to use failure as a gauge for growth. Recognize that every time we fail, every time we come up short, it's just another gauge of our growth. How do we respond How do you respond to your failures? Do you own them? Do you look to God for forgiveness? Do you look to others for help? Use failure as a gauge for growth. Finally, we need to see the big picture. See the big picture. See the big picture of what God's trying to accomplish in your life. Nothing is better at helping you deal with failure than perspective. Let me give you an example. Tom Landry, Chuck Knoll, and Bill Walsh accounted for nine of the 15 Super Bowl victories between 1974 and 1989. Do you know what else they had in common? They all had the worst first season records of any head coaches in NFL history. Isn't that incredible? If they were been judged by their potential for success in their first year, they would have called it quits. In addition, Jimmy Johnson... Jimmy Johnson, who led the Dallas Cowboys to two uh, titles in the 90s. Do you know what his first year record was? One and 15. They were terrible. Man, them cowboy jokes were good back then, okay? Man, they were terrible. And then, of course, we mentioned Saban and and Belichick. Guys, see, we got to recognize, see the big picture. God's not done with you yet. God's not done with you yet. Their failure was not final and neither is yours. The next time you blow it, think about the big picture. There will be other days we all make mistakes. We can come back. For our just man falls seven times, but he gets back up. And it leads me to my final point as Pastor Tommy comes. Don't give up. Don't give up. I am thoroughly convinced that the only way for you to lose out with God is to give up. 
You see, guys, we need to recognize that failure is a sign that, that, that we're heading in the right direction, okay? We're trying great things. History has, has recognized that, that when we don't give up, God honors that. Failure comes easily to everyone, but the price of success is perseverance. Continue, uh, consider with me for a moment someone that we consider possibly the greatest president ever, Abraham Lincoln. Way back in 1832, he lost his job and he lost an election for state legislature. He tried to run for the state house and he failed. In 1833, his business failed. Boy, he ain't doing so well, huh? 1834, things picked up a little bit. He was finally elected to the Illinois legislature. But in 1835, his sweetheart died. In 1836, he had a nervous breakdown. Wow, that's probably the end of the story, huh? 1838, it got even worse. He was defeated for Speaker of the House, okay? He's, he's in the legislature. He wants to be the Speaker. He failed at that. 1843, he lost a nomination for Congress. They didn't want him in Washington. But in 1846, he had a little glimmer of hope. He was elected to Congress, 1848, he lost renomination to Congress. 1849, rejected for land officer, which is a federal post. 1854, he was defeated for the U.S. Senate. 1856, defeated for nomination as vice president. And in 1858, he was again defeated for the U.S. Senate. Guys, I don't know about you, but after all those defeats, isn't it about time he just hang it up? In about time, he just kind of realized, I ain't no good at this. Nobody wants to elect me. What if Abraham Lincoln had stopped in 1858 and said, I'm done with this. I'm done of throwing my hat in the ring. I'm just sick and tired of coming out second. 1860 would have never happened. But in 1860, Abraham Lincoln won election as the president of the United States. And during that time, which of course was maybe one of the most difficult times this country of ours ever faced, We need a man like Abraham Lincoln. We needed a man who understood dealing with defeats. We needed a man who recognized that he was um, maybe not a man of God, but he was God's man for that time to keep our country together. And he arguably was one of the greatest presidents our country has ever seen. But what made Abraham Lincoln? He never quit. And guys, I want to remind some of you today, don't you quit. Don't you give up. God won't give up on you. Don't you give up on him. Whether you're a teenager, whether you're a young adult, whether you're a senior adult, don't you give up. Don't you quit. You are so close to your breakthrough. You're so close to your breakthrough. You're so close to God changing everything, turning everything around. Don't give up. 